Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Hello and welcome to episode 178 of the Terrible Book Club. Wrong number. Pe- <sighs> <laughs> Why don't we just do that with the cold open? Yeah, let you know what. Let's I just keep going. I can't count anymore. I like this. This condensed version of <laughs> Terrible Book Club recording has fried my ability to even interpret numbers. Hello and welcome to Mercifully, the last episode in Season 8 of Terrible Book Club. This is episode 179 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris, and this is Chris. Hello. (laughs) This time, we read, You Are Becoming a Galactic Human by Virginia Essene. I've waited so long. And Sheldon Nidell, or Niddle, not sure. Uh, this was recommended to us by the ever antique and freaky Ken of Antiques Freaks. He always has the finest things for us to explore. Right? Only sure just like, like from the piece. darkest depths of whatever, wherever he goes to find these things. I'm not sure. I just remember a couple of years ago, I think two years ago, he said, hey, what about this? It's about how everyone's going to become enlightened dolphins or something in 1996. And we said... All right, we put sure. it on the list, and here we are. <laughs> it's like, let's so, end year eight with this. All right, Chris, you want to tell folks what we do here if somehow this is the first time they're, they're finding us? If this is your first time listening to the show, what we do here at the Terrible Book Club is read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. Sometimes, like today, we read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends recommend. So we do the opposite of what most people do in a bookstore or while they're browsing the internet. Usually this experiment results in a disappointing read, but once in a while we end up liking the book. Instead, this time we have become terrible humans. I mean, or... I don't know. Do you feel galactic, galactic? Paris? How galactic do you feel today? I mean, my brain feels like hot soup, so like it could be You're galactic, becoming it could soup be death. Human. <laughs> Not really sure. <laughs> In addition to our usual barnyard language, today's episode includes discussion or mention of dangerously high woo-woo levels. They are off the charts. We thought we were off the charts with Afterlife Love, but this is so far gone. Yeah, this is this is beyond that. <laughs> we need it's to invent a whole new beyond. system of rating woo-woo to get the handle on this. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. It's galactic level woo-woo. You are becoming a galactic, galactic woo-woo human. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, Paris, why don't you hit us with the back of the book summary since you are in possession of the physical copy of the book. Yeah, today we got a real live physical back of the book. <clears throat> a bold, urgent, and extraordinary revelation about Earth's hidden million-year history. 
and secret truths of human relationships with spiritual masters and star beings. Why is time accelerating? <laughs> you know, what is I've always said it feels it? like that, but now I have the answer. What is causing it? Why will all physical life change by the end of 1996? How may you prepare? How can you regain your full DNA 12 helix consciousness Oh, identity? shit. I knew I lost it somewhere. Man, we lost 10 of them. That's rough. Will the second coming of Christ be what you thought it oh would be? Oh, God. Last minute Jesus again. <laughs> LMJ. There he is. Oh, right at the end. Fuck. Thought we escaped. Nope. What role are the Syrians playing in human evolution? Like, Will they be landing soon? I think they're just in Syria. You know, that, that is... Yeah, these are homophones. I should... Sorry, let me finish this and we'll clear that up. Is physical death still necessary? Is ascension possible? The authors. Virginia Essene, or Essene, or Essen, not sure. Virginia, author of five spiritual New Age books, channels the Christ energy and gives <laughs> lectures and seminars around the world. Her books have reached the far corners of our planet, and have been translated into many foreign languages. Sheldon Nidell has been given cosmic information since childhood on true Earth history, science, culture, spirituality, and galactic humans from other stars. He has just now been allowed to present this information to the public. Oh. Time is, time I'm is sure critical. I'm sure someone was really you. keeping him back. It was just his family just being like, Sheldon, I don't know. Time is critical. You are needed. Will you help? All right. So I think you guys <laughs> see right. what we're dealing with here. Here's some of the characters and setting so that you have a vague idea of what's going on here. There's actually not that many characters. Um, the setting is uh, 1990s. Or Chris, Chris, there are there are innumerable characters. We cannot count all the Time Lords. I suppose, are... yes. If you're counting each individual <laughs> Time Lord, then yes, there's a lot of characters here. We'll get to that. But let's do the broad strokes characters and setting here. So the setting is 1990s Earth because this was published in like... The early 90s? 1994. 94. 1994. Okay, all right. Um, so we have the authors. They're, they're ca I suppose they're characters here because they're the ones telling us yeah. all about this stuff. So we have Virginia and Sheldon. Although Sheldon just appears in one chapter is like, yeah, I got told all this by an alien. And I'm telling Virginia that. And then Virginia gets to talk to the aliens, which I assume is just her talking to Sheldon. Really? Yes, correct. Is what's yes. going on? Anyway, mm -hmm. the, the main alien... The alien is Washta, who is telling uh, the alien that's telling us all this bullshit here. But there's some other ones like Omtron and Teletron and Metatron and Sirai. And like they've got a bunch of different names. Man. Yeah, you know what? It's it's all your favorites from how to fucking sing to Archangels or whatever that book yeah, was. And, the then, and, like, an and then human. like, and like. Yeah, so it's all of your favorite hits from the Archangel books we read, like Breath Tap and whatever. I forget what episode that was. That was like two years, three years ago. And then a little bit of. No, I think we did that during. God. We did that, I think, in 2020. All the woo woo stuff just blurs. Yeah, it's been it's a long time. So you get all your all your classic Archangel hits, <laughs> and then you also get a little bit of Afterlife Love. We get a little sprinkles of sprinkles of Niles McFlurin here. So it's, you know, it's all 
your favorite woo woo classics together at last in one volume. <laughs> Call I can't now. believe I can't believe I'm a galactic human nineteen ninety four. Uh there are also other various characters and settings. I mean, we go through Earth's history like nine hundred thousand years ago various groups of people throughout time sumerians egyptians mayans like you got it all it's all they're human, all in here men quote unquote alien quote unquote. races and then the grays show up a little bit you got the reptoids you know all your favorite alien guys <laughs> all right so uh chris very kindly wrote the summary today which i have actually not even read a single part of once so you're probably gonna, gonna find something a, that a is fresh. incorrect here because i skimmed through some of the history section so feel free to correct it as you go along that's fine all right so um we just like to do a little a little plot summary although this is less plot this is more uh, a collection of the stream of consciousness ideas and generalizations to help you through our understanding of what we read, consumed. All right, folks, guess what? <clears throat> Everything you know about human history is wrong. Darwin is dumb. You stupid science nerds don't know anything. Washta is here to blow this whole thing wide open by telling seven-year-old Sheldon Nidell and then later graduate student Sheldon Nidell that humans really come from another star system. The dinosaurs were just humanoid reptile beings that wanted to colonize Earth, but they got in a fight with the other aliens who blew them the fuck up with their fusion reactors. This is because Earth is special for reasons, so everyone wanted to be here to do genetic stuff, but aliens were fighting a bunch so the original primates on Earth were eradicated and replaced with aquatic primates from another planet. Whales and dolphins escaped the horrible fate of original primates from Earth and are thus super big brain mega evolved stewards of life on Earth, and you should treat them real nicely and follow their example. At some point, there was Atlantis and Lemuria and, like, Egypt and Sumeria and all that shit, which were governed by the aliens that brought the aquatic primates over and they had a big fight, pew pew kaboom. Atlantis won and got to do their genetic experiments on humans, which is why we're dumb and don't experience all our chakras and have access to higher dimensions. But don't worry, when the beam of photon light crosses into our solar system, the good aliens are going to help us get all our DNA back to its original 12 helix form so we can do all the cool woo-woo ether realm shit we've read about in other books. Thanks, aliens! Alright, got that? Cool. Now study these charts that show you the organizational structures for high-level beings. Because apparently, even when you've opened your 12th eye and ascended beyond death, you still have to deal with fucking middle management. Guess what? At the end of everything, it's still Target. And it's still Jesus. <laughs> no matter what. That's what, that's what we've decided. It's what we've come to. It's what's... to the chief officer of your 11th chakra because you didn't fill in your quota of chakra awakenings. So you better get on that, buddy, or else the Galactic Federation is going to uh, put you on your uh, performance improvement plan. Look, Chris, I don't know how to tell you this, but I, I just got back from Dimension 5, and they're telling me you haven't fucked enough dolphins this year. <sighs> Look, it's really hard. I'm, I have to, like, I'm a Time Lord, too. There's, like, an atom of some <laughs> dude's butthole that I'm in charge of that I have to make sure is, like, in existence all the time. You try having sex with dolphins when you're making sure that that atom is manifested, Okay. No, I know it's hard. I know, but we've all got our atoms to deal with, and we've all got to fuck a dolphin. Listen, like, we had there was massive happen. budget cuts. We had to cross over the time lording with the, the dolphin fucking. It's the same department now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So, Chris, what was good about this? Was there anything good about it? 
Um, the thing that I found good about it, and I, you in our notes here found many more good things about it, but really the only thing that I cared about it was that there are many charts in this book and diagrams, <laughs> and they are very yeah. funny. They are extremely funny because... Well, uh, some of them were fun, like, kind of whatever. They didn't really strike me as funny. And then I got to page 109. Remind me which one was there, because there's a lot of charts and diagrams on here. <laughs> I have a lot of personal favorites. Anything uh, in towards page. the beginning of the book where it's like not to scale is some of my favorite shit because it'll just yeah. like have a doodled photon beam and then the like Earth here in photon beam in there. That was extremely funny to me. Uh, so page one hundred nine. Since this is a audio medium, I'm going to describe this. We'll post the picture on social media. Um, we've got a diagram, uh, figure 17, Atlantean King Atlas, real creative, creates plan for reestablishing Lemurian culture. King Atlas sent his mated children, Osiris and Isis, to the Libyan Egyptian Empire to reestablish the ancient Lemurian culture. Seth, son of King Atlas, was not happy to surrender his empire to his brother Osiris. At approximately 9500 BC, Atlantean King Atlas sent his wife, Queen Mew, and her brother, Mayam, to Central America with the Atlantean forces as a diversionary tactic. And while all that just sounds ridiculous, the illustrations are... Mwah. Chris, this is... Uh, I'm showing showing Chris over video here. We got- so it's got, like, doodled uh, kings and queens. You know, some of them are sort of Egyptian-looking. Some of them maybe look like what a children understands someone from Aztec or Maya to come from. And they're all just sort of standing on these, like, separated continents. Like, yes, I am the... Also, King Atlas at the top gets his own chair. The rest of them don't get their own chair. So it's just very funny, cartoony, sort of, like, king and queen diagram. To, you know, so you understand the in great detail where the kings and queens were here. Yeah, I mean, there's no need for this diagram. It does nothing. It doesn't tell. It doesn't give you any more information than the text. And what what's better is that these illustrations are about a step up from stick figures. So they just kind of undercut your whole like this is extremely important argument. They just make it seem even sillier than it already does. So yeah, yeah, illustrations were kind of silly. There's also another one of like this is what the Syrians look like from. Sir- S-I-R-I-U-S from Sirius, not not Syria, S-Y-R-I-A on Earth. And, of course, get I'm sure you can all guess exactly what they look like. Your basic Northern European person. Oh, really? Of course. Because of course they do. I really like the middle management charts towards the end of the book because yeah, it's just like all these like funny. square, you know, diagrams that show like, oh, under the galactic middle manager uh you have the all the middle ma- uh, galactic serfs or what whatever is happening there and they're all in their different work groups it looks like a shitty design for someone's microsoft active directory <laughs> that they were trying to like yeah, part yeah. upon <laughs> other people it's a, it's a very good description um we've got chart of the first contact team board of command 50 members beneath the board of command you have the landing team Beneath the landing team, you have the non-human landing team, science evaluation team, and the counseling and assistance team. You have the spiritual hierarchy team kind of off on their own, the non-human command, and the non-human diplomatic liaison team. Okay, great. I'm glad we had that all laid out for us here so I know where I fit in when the photon beam hits or whatever. Except you don't, because I have no, like, what group would I belong? I don't know. (laughs) That's not even, I don't fucking know. Consider your um, galactic human career here. Galactic (laughs) Federation. 
So here are my extremely generous things that were good for this book. It was edited. There were no typos. The sent- there was one. Sentences had syntax that is commonly understood in standard American English. It wasn't confusing for reasons of grammar. There were other reasons sure. why it was confusing or felt unintelligible, but like the words formed sentences with like subjects and objects and they used vocabulary that was easily understandable. <laughs> there you go. Great. Um, there are two other things I'll give it some credit for. One, there's this recurrent idea that's very, or, or it's a, a focal point of the book that humans and cetaceans are stewards of the earth and we have to share that stewardship with other creatures and there's a recognition and respect for other creatures that aren't human and that they are important and intelligent. And I got to say, like, a lot of these sort of woo-woo uh you know, uh, structures or concepts that we've encountered in the past always treat non-human animals as just like garbage. But this book does actually seem to have a, you know, this belief system does seem to have a real genuine appreciation of the non-human animals and non-human environment on Earth, which I thought was good. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's okay. Be nice to the animals, please. Yeah, and the Earth. Don't fucking ruin it. Um, I'll, I'll also give it the, the yeah, yeah I know. I'll also give it the millimeter of validity in that you should be open to the idea that whatever kind of modern Western science or modern science looks like to you right now is not the beginning or end of understanding in a lot of respects, right? Like there's plenty of shit we haven't figured out yet. I don't think I or you know no no one should waltz into a room and say i have all the answers or we have all the answers or like oh we figured it all out it's very clear that we you know humanity has not figured it all out Mm -hmm. and that there's plenty of things that we still don't understand or know how to explain and so yeah i think this whole idea in the book that you should be open to considering other perspectives is not a terrible one i just think it is taken to an outrageous (laughs) level Mm -hmm. um so, you know, be open-minded but still critical. Don't don't just like accept anything that wanders into your sphere of <laughs> influence. Like, I don't know, something walks into the room and you're like, "Yeah, maybe that's true." Um It's a dinosaur that must know. be an alien. There's oh, no yeah. way that can't have been a thing. It must be an alien. Yeah. I guess maybe I should just jump to so okay, we're going to move to things that were bad now, right? <laughs> yes, yes indeed we okay. are. Well, I guess I'm going to start with the things that were bad is that this whole like, oh, being open and receptive to, you know, ideas that are kind of beyond what we currently understand with modern science or modern technology or whatever is, again, taken to an outrageous extreme, like a ridiculous, silly, laughable extreme. And what's the worst part about it is that the author, Virginia, she softballs fucking questions at the alien through Sheldon kind of accepts any answer and then at the very end in the in the afterward in the book she's like you know you really shouldn't just believe anything that tell you. <laughs> it's like like Virginia Virginia why was that not at the beginning of the book why was that not at the very beginning when you should have said hey I transcribed all this because I thought maybe it was kind of interesting and should be kept for some reason. But 
I don't necessarily believe all of it. You should be skeptical of it, too. Putting that in the afterward, no one reads the fucking afterwards of books. Like, people like me do, but I <laughs> but am not a regular insane. reader. We're out of our minds. Yeah, I, yeah, this is like, no. Like, most people are not going to read deep into your afterward to find out that you're actually, the author themselves is actually skeptical of the content of the book. I just... <laughs> what? If you didn't believe in this, if you didn't wholeheartedly believe in this Galactic Federation shit, then, like, you should have said that up front. You should... I. This is another tactic that a lot of these kind of um, woo-woo predictors use to sneak their way out of blame to say, like, oh, well, but at the end I said maybe it wasn't real. I did, you know, I did the, the just asking questions. Yeah. or I'm just, <laughs> I'm just asking aliens questions through my friend. Yeah, I'm just asking aliens questions. <laughs> Leave me alone. Is it illegal to ask aliens questions? You can't sue me. When the photon beam doesn't come in 1996? Yeah, it. so that was, that's something that stands out to me immediately as something that was bad. Chris, what kind of what hit you right away? I know we made the joke about the last minute Jesus earlier in here, in, but honestly, the third paragraph in this book hits you with, and yet Jesus' message was delivered to a society of human beings whose genes may have been damaged by the Atlantean genetic experiments thousands of years before his arrival. So when you read that sentence, like in paragraph three of a book, Paris, I feel like that's actually a service to you and I as yeah, terrible yeah, I book agree. readers. <laughs> I appreciate this because you're cutting right to the thick of the fact that you're on such a high level of conspiracy theory religion speedballs <laughs> that I can immediately like relax and go, yeah, I'm not really going to try to make sense of any of this. <laughs> We're just, I'm just going to let you take me for a ride. It's like when you go on a date. And before the first drink is delivered, the other person starts talking about their taxidermied ant torso collection. No shade against people with, like, taxidermied insect collections. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes when you get on a date and you can really quickly tell you're not going to connect. So you can just have the drink and be like, oh, my uh, my poodle uh, <laughs> shit its pants that I put on it all the time. And I have to go home and change my poodle's pants that it, it shit. Goodbye. I'm so sorry. All of my buttons have disintegrated. I must leave. <laughs> um, no, nah, I think. I mean, I think te- taxidermy is fine as yes, long as I'm just make as long joke. as there aren't as long as there aren't other other factors that would that would maybe make that concerning. There, there is yeah. There's a situation where a taxidermy and torso collection would be a, re- a red flag, not on its own, but yeah. It's just it's, for me. I was making that comparison in a way of like you and I are just not gonna vibe together yeah, here. Yeah, so. Same. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Maybe that was sort of a good thing about this book is that it really showed showed its colors it's right away. Clearly, like just like thank right Jesus that we can be saved from the genetic experiments of the Atlanteans. And you're like, excuse me, okay. <laughs> I mean, so my like after reading a little bit into this, this is just QAnon, but for like mid '90s internet forums, it's really just that. Like you have. This mysterious figure of Washta who is channeled through Sheldon, just like Q was channeled through a person or a couple people, right? Mm -hmm. And it's always this, like, these, um, you know, oh, well, this is going to happen. All these predictions that don't come true. The storm, the photon beam storm is is coming. Right, right. The photon belt, the storm, whatever. It's all the same. I mean, and these are these are similarities across conspiracies. You know, they kind of 
follow this general formula most of the time. I mean, page two was wild. Chris already said paragraph three was wild. <laughs> what was on page? What was on page two? I don't even remember. Um, ah, here we go. <clears throat> Because of that great watery inundation then, those located in the Middle East lost whatever data they had known about themselves and also about the nations in Asia, especially the greatest of all Earth civilizations, Lemuria. Since they had lost virtually all knowledge of Lemuria, they also had lost the records of Lemuria's later adversary, Atlantis. It was the Atlanteans whose autocratic structure and cooperation with renegade extraterrestrials reduced the human species to a debilitated DNA genetic mutation of minimal capabilities. Thus, most of our struggling ancestors coped as best they could without their own former 12 helix DNA strands, which were now reduced to only two strands, a mere one-sixth of their previous capability. And all of this occurred right in the middle of a devastating planetary upheaval we can scarcely comprehend. Yeah, right. So when you get hit with that real quick, at least yeah. you know. At least we know, and we thank <laughs> you for not, like, slow rolling. Although there, it kind of almost is slow rolling because it just gets so out there, <laughs> even as you go in further. Yeah, I mean, I then started wondering to myself, like, can anyone explain to me how DNA can lose strands or gain strands? This is a thing I just see in sci-fi uh, novels what? or animes all the time where it's like, oh, he's more evolved because he has more DNA strands. And I've never seen anything in science that seems to imply that... The more DNA strands you have, the more better good you are. Well, I mean, like in some ways, I I don't I don't think I would say better, but different and could provide sure. some yeah. uh, some other um, capabilities. Like for example, there are we have discovered occasionally <clears throat> some triple helixes and then uh there's there are some even rarer cases where we've discovered quadruple helixes it's very rare in living humans but the thought is that like those extra strands could provide like some protection they could be doing something extra that we could then kind of deconstruct and find a way to recreate to protect people from genetic diseases or cancer or stuff like that yeah, it's uh I, I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not a fucking genetic scientist, but it doesn't seem reasonable to me to think that human live humans can gain and lose helixes from their DNA. And then if or you that had, we had, 12, had twelve, you would be like psychically awoken. Like it's just that it's the amount of my strands that are keeping me from being able to communicate telepathically with others. You know, it's all about the it's all about the strand, Chris. You know, some people's DNA just doesn't uh, doesn't jive with with the Syrians, but just gotta get. So once you just start getting mm -hmm. into like DNA and genetic stuff, it's like a real short step into some racism <laughs> and eugenic stuff. So I tend yeah. to be very wary of stuff. As someone with a genetic disorder, that stuff always creeps me out a little bit when people start talking about like the better genes. Yeah, so I don't know. It, um, that whole thing was really hard to accept. I, I mean, page six and seven already were like, the book's going pretty hard on misunderstanding art styles for anatomy, which is kind of a, a common thing that happens with ancient alien stuff. Like they see art styles where heads are elongated and they think, oh, that means they're aliens and not that 
oh, this was just a stylistic choice, or perhaps people did some kind of body modification to change their head shape, which is done in some cultures. No, it's aliens. Harris, it's aliens. imagine year 3000 woo-woo purveyors finding anime. Uh, <laughs> no. They all had giant boobs and enormous eyes. Their women, their women were only allowed to wear skirts and no underwear, and all cameras were held below their knees. Um, yeah. Oh my God! Please, <laughs> uh, I would like to flash forward to the year three thousand to find the one person who's like, listen, if we all just get fourteen DNA strains, we too can have eyes the size of pools that you can drop a quarter into, and it would ripple. From there, we would awaken our abilities. <laughs> See, I even found this old. Uh, this old uh, historical text called Dragon Ball Z. You can see that they've awoken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, just returning to the the weird like racism shit that happens in this. So simultaneously, we've kind of got that classic meld of, but all humanity is the same. Therefore, racism and sexism and and any kind of difference isn't you know we have to forget about all those things. We're all one human family. That somehow also coexisting with their very convenient maps of where the bad creatures were and the good creatures on Earth. Oh, and let oh, me tell hmm. you, I let me tell you, can guess. Hmm. So the bad dinosaurs and the bad reptile people—two distinct groups, by the way. I who knows. Uh, and then the good Earth humans are kind of uh. They they have this crude map where there's just like lines around where where they existed, you know, and there's a note that's like, well, you know, of course the continents didn't look like this at that time, but this is where they would have been. And, you know, all the good Earth humans sure seem to be in the area where people's skin is like the color of sand or lighter. And then all the bad dinosaurs and reptile people definitely all all everywhere else. Oh. Everywhere else. Yeah. Who just, if thought? you're not in Who if you're predicted? not in North If you're not in Northeast Europe, you're a yep. It's all the bad guys. So that that was rough. Um I mean and, and that's an unfortunate problem. It's another unfortunate problem with any kind of pseudoscience or conspiracy. Underneath it, there's always racism, anti-Semitism. There there's it's always there. It's just 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 below the surface. It's because I think it's a way to squirm your way. It's another way to kind of like you were touching on with the whole genetic stuff. It's another way to sort of squirm your way to the idea that, ah, the lighter people, the white people are special, superior of another place. Even though this text is very clear that like, oh, it's all humans on earth. Like all this stuff is steeped in late 19th century Western white ideas frozen in time and devoid of larger context of the rest of scientific history, the planet, universe, and the rest of space. So it's it's always going to be stuck and mired in that kind of thinking, even though you know the people themselves may not realize on the surface that it is. It's very clear. And this again is the same thing with ancient aliens. I mean, flat earth, it's it's all there. It's all it's all got this problem. I mean, it even has the native people had simple lives that were better thing in here yeah. all over mm-hmm. the place, too, which we've talked about before. So I'm not going to dive into that. But that's just a sort of extra little tag onto this uh, journey that we're taking here through the classics of <laughs> hidden shittiness. Yeah for, yeah, for real. All right, Paris. 
there's there's another classic thing in here, another classic woo woo thing, and I've prepared a little bit of a segment for you here because I saw in your notes while you were reading today that you just had more Einstein quotes. God, why? Oh yeah, because every person who tries to sound smart just does a very cursory, brief <laughs> glance at at written ephemera and says, "Oh, Einstein said that." Sure, they never do the deeper the deeper checking to make sure that it's actually an Einstein quote, people will put fucking Albert Einstein, Abraham Lincoln, John F. Kennedy, any name you've heard of will be on a quote. And let me tell you, most of the time, all those famous people quotes you see were never actually said by that person. Or if they were, there's no, there's no way to verify it. So it's very likely that they are just all made up. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I thought we'd have a little fun here and I, um, I just Googled Albert Einstein quotes. Oh. And now here we are on brainyquote.com with a, just a, a, a whole slew of things attributed to Albert Einstein here. So I thought we would just have a little fun detour here into the land of what can you put in this dude's mouth <laughs> from, you know, the 1930s to the 1950s or 60s, whenever he lived until. So here's a smattering of things that Albert Einstein said. Life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. Albert Einstein. Uh, Strive not to be a success, but rather to be of value. Albert Einstein. Coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Albert Einstein. Only two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity. And I'm not sure about the former. I feel like that's something I'd see on Facebook that's next to like a... That's definitely not a real one. I think I've looked that one up before. <laughs> I feel like I would see that on Facebook next to like a minion on a cartoon background. You know, some, that, that person that posts like, I am smarter than all of you. <laughs> I mean, the quote that's actually, actually used in the book is... Um, well, it's it's kind of rephrased probably due to translation. It is I only want to know the thoughts of God. Everything else is a footnote. And supposedly in 1925 a student of Einstein's named Esther Solomon went on a walk with him and that's where when he said roughly that to her. Supposedly uh, she also wrote a, a memoir on Einstein. So, I don't know. It's it's possible he never said that. I mean, she could have just made it up for the memoir cuz it sounded cool, right? Like we don't we're never going to know. Um I have some more totally that was really real said. Einstein quotes for you if you'd but like. But I I mean, I do think that this one seems more legitimate considering it came from one of his students and it's it's possible that he could have said something like that considering Einstein's thoughts on god and the nature of the universe and creation like i think it's very feasible still doesn't excuse it because everyone just throws these fucking quotes around to try to sound smart and and sound like oh they they're very considered they've read einstein mm-hmm. i've got some more yeah, quotes else, for you here what else, actually what else did here's quote unquote one. einstein say? here's a good one you can't blame gravity for falling in love albert einstein that's <laughs> Doesn't sound real. That sounds like a John Mayer lyric, dude. Like, are you sure that was Albert Einstein? All right, let me see if I can dig up anything else. Body is both and particle (laughs) (laughs) equals MC squared. (laughs) 
let me see if I can pick up some more here. Oh God, is that the song with bubblegum toes that you hate so much? It's bubblegum tongue, Paris. Jesus, you made oh. it worse. God. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Okay. Here's a good one. I found another. Here's another John Mayer fucking lyric from Albert Einstein. Any man who can drive safely while kissing a pretty girl is simply not giving the kiss the attention it deserves. So I guess Albert Wait, was Einstein. That Albert Einstein? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Noted roadhead connoisseur Albert Einstein. I mean, maybe, but I mean that would have been that would have been dangerous in a 1920s car. <laughs> Don't worry, baby. I'm the smartest man alive. I got control of it. Putting your putting your genitals at risk on those <laughs> non-paved roads and shit without fucking shocks. Oh. All right, let me see if I can get one more out of here. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'm still thinking about bubblegum toes. <laughs> <laughs> the hardest thing to understand in the world is the income tax, Albert Einstein. Bro, I think he was fine with the income yeah. tax. He was doing like some high-level math. I think the income tax, he, he fucking got that one down. Yeah, it's fine. Anyway, I fucking hate when people quote Einstein. <laughs> so thanks, thanks for going. Or on John that Mayer. <laughs> Honestly, both of them. We should yeah. just start attributing shit to John Mayer all the time. <laughs> that's it. I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to do forever. Um, uh, uh, all right. Um, uh, this is sorry. This is going to be a fugue state episode. We are just going to pass from one thought to another. We tried to group these together, but it was it was tough, man. It was tough. How about the complete overdoing upheaval of chakras that we see in here? Yeah. So this was this was a pretty funny um, connection to afterlife love. So if if you haven't heard the afterlife love episode, in that book there is a postulation that humanity has eight levels of consciousness or eight dimensions or something and in this book there's also eight but they're inverted from the other one so it's like which fucking one is correct oh you're telling me which that the woo people right? don't agree with each other about their particular ways that they steal from other cultures yeah clearly they didn't they didn't get on the same uh same fucking dimension on that one so that was pretty funny um, and of course, their concepts of these are totally different. And in, in Afterlife Love, we did have some channeling of beings through the author's friend or something, although I feel like it was just the author, but whatever. Um, and then in this book, you know, we have channeling through the author's friend and the descriptions of these dimensions are and chakra shit is just totally different. So one group of aliens is lying to you. Y'all, like <laughs> at least one. There are two maybe both groups of, of aliens at the end of the road, and one of them only tells the truth, and one of them only tells <laughs> lies. How do you actually manifest your twelve strands of DNA and have sex in the afterlife? Yeah, I um, my this was a point I was going to get to later, but since it's just kind of come up naturally here, I'm always surprised by how willing people are to just believe. Someone who's like, hello, I am an alien. This is the truth. Aliens would have plenty of reasons. They would have an equal number of reasons to lie to us as they would to tell us the truth. So I don't understand just the immediate like, oh, this must be right. 
I, it baffles me what? to my core, Paris, because it gets yeah. down into the same reason why I don't understand why people will just read something that cites nothing except, well, my friend told me, and roll with it. I like you got to give me something else. Is it just like I wish there was something more and this sounds fun, so I'll go with that? Is, is it just that? It has to be. I mean, there's no other, no other real explanation. But like unconsciously, it's, right? Like they're doing that unconsciously. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot of obviously there's been a lot of like psychological and sociological study of this sort of phenomenon amongst people and their willingness to believe conspiracies or kind of um, be gullible in certain situations, right? And it is it is a bummer, and it does perplex me. Despite all the reading I've done about it, I still find it just... just like, I understand no all the constituent reasons, but I, I, can't, I can't accept it. Like, I still just don't get how people don't... How people get so far into it. Like, I could understand being curious or maybe a little gullible naturally and being like oh okay but then after you hear more than a few paragraphs or a few sentences in a book or pages in a book why do you not go and consult another thing i don't i don't understand and if there's like some alternate histories in you you would expect that maybe something out there would kind of corroborate at least a piece of it but it seems like both Sheldon and the uh, the author here, the main author, I forget what her name was, um, Virginia. Virginia. They, they're just going. I mean, obviously Sheldon wants to do it because it turns out Paris. By the way, he was the leader of a religious organization where he was trying to convince people that the photon beam was coming. That was on his Wikipedia page that I looked up. Well, that there. that's what we're reading. Yeah, it's the same thing. That's that's the publishing. Group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, it, it went religion. past. It's like not, after it's this, he kept separate. trying to do it. Is what I'm saying. Like after the photon beam thing didn't happen, he just kept going with it. He splintered off oh, into like something else. Well, he and Virginia, I think, had a falling out. They did, and then and then she kept the name of whatever it was in this book. I forget. And then he called it something else. He actually, I think, had a stroke in 2011. But um, according to his webpage, I'm just gonna. All right. So the website is. So far down in the Google search results that I had to I had to keep going for a little bit oh, there. Wow. So apologies. Truly in the um, dustbin. According to this website, which is powweb.com, P-A-O-W-E-B.com. What happened to Sheldon Nidal? On March 17, 2011, Sheldon's health took a t- sudden downturn. As he sat at the computer, he was hit with a direct energy weapon that caused marked personality changes, brain damage, and eventually dementia. By September 2020, his health had deteriorated further, and he entered a care facility where he now lives. So now it's two random other people who are carrying on his shit, and this poor man probably had, yeah, probably had a stroke or had Alzheimer's or something, and they're, he just kept powering through and they're like no he got hit with a direct energy weapon <laughs> okay all right i'll just okay. i guess i'll take your word for it because i've been taking everyone else's word for everything my entire life yeah that's, that's a bummer that is a you know stuff like that is a bummer right where yeah it's like, it sucks even if even if sheldon really believed this stuff i gotta feel like some of the people under here that said like yeah now's our chance to take over there's a higher chance that they're just grifty as fuck right Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's too bad because I'm, you know, who I, I'm just speculating here, but 
this <clears throat> this book also has the very dangerous idea that humans can think their way out of anything. So if you have a life-altering condition like bone cancer or a brain tumor, you can just think your way out of it. If you believe enough, you'll you'll be fine. And hey, and listen, positive mental attitude does work for quite a few things, and it might even help with recovery for some certain things. Maybe big, huge yeah. asterisk on that, but it is... Yeah. Absolutely not all you have to do, and you'll be fine if you just been like, like thumbs up and smile. It's gonna be okay, right? Like you know, <clears throat> placebo studies have been done. Um, you know, prayer studies have been done about how if people if people are generally in a more positive mindset and really believe that something is going to help them, it can provide some marginal results, but it doesn't cure anything. It doesn't. It, it doesn't mean you don't seek medical attention, <laughs> but of course that's what books like this advocate. Um, and so, yeah, I can only wonder what happened to that guy. Speaking of Sheldon, why, uh, why was he the special kid that aliens picked to reveal their big plans? That's to the other like thing. Seven? What was that about? That's the other thing about believing stuff like this. When you read it, it's like, why would they pick some seven year old out of everyone else on Earth, there is no one more qualified to talk to aliens than seven-year-old Sheldon. Yeah, I mm, don't know. You would know. think the highly advanced species would find the one person that, that like could spread was the also message. Involved at first, and then and then she, I don't know, stopped getting alien messages. There's nothing more on that. So maybe it was just the fact that she was younger than him and she was playing along with her brother and then yeah, she got older and she's sense. like, actually, I don't know about this, Sheldon. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense actually. I mean, I I don't have siblings, so um you know, I don't really know what that's like, but um <clears throat> yeah, that seems pretty reasonable. And there's also like and he, he when he's briefly talking about this before we get into the whole channeling thing. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm the special guy and the, the aliens came to me and they told me I was real cool and that I was going to help rescue humanity. And then um, listen, kids, <clears throat> don't take strange advice from strangers that come from another galaxy to tell you that you're the special kid that we will give all the information. Don't get in that UFO van. Don't get in that white UFO with no windows. Don't, do it. <laughs> don't don't take it. Don't take the candy. Um, So after that, he says, Ahem. Nonetheless, these messages and experiences began to create some degree of conflict within me. Syrians continued to demonstrate an advanced science that appeared to be almost magical, and they explained concepts about the formation of the galaxy that made Earth-human cosmology completely erroneous in its theories about the universe. Spoiler, he never tells us what those are. As they told me more about the elements of their science, it accentuated my conflict between their knowledge and that of Earth science and its related cosmology. This conflict was created by my many years of involvement in summer science achievement programs that were established during the immediate post-Sputnik era, 1958-1961, and by my own voracious reading in all branches of science. I was reading university physics texts and advanced college texts on anthropology at age seven. Ooh, big brains, big oh, brain moment. Uh... I, but were you comprehending and retaining that information, Sheldon? Yeah, and you know he talks about how oh, um, uh, this, um, uh, his he took advanced courses in calculus and physics and chemistry. However, this opportunity was ended by my freshman year in college when a deep personal conflict developed between the vice chairman of the physics department and myself. 
We disagreed over the formulation of Isaac Newton's mechanics theorems and their usage in modern cosmology as well as in subatomic physics. Oh my god. This, this conflict forced me to change my major from physics to political science with minors in anthropology, sociology, and various area study programs. During my senior year, I felt drawn to specialize in Southeast Asia history studies, which included the nations of Malaysia, the Philippines, and Indonesia. After completing my master's in 1970, I left academia in search of work. But tough economic times and my ability to obtain only dead-end jobs led to a decision to study for a PhD in Southeast Asian studies. Anyway, he gave up on his PhD to make a movie about Nikola Tesla. That's how that ends. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, Tesla's cool, but I really like the idea of this dude coming into like a freshman college level physics course and being like, actually, I think Newton might have been wrong about gravity and the professor being like, oh, my fucking God, we just well, I like I don't I mean, science is ever changing and the only way it evolves is through challenging ideas that we think are settled. And so if he had um, a model, an explanation to show great, but. There is nothing in this book. There is no alternative. You show up in class and it was like, no, actually, Washta told me that the photon beam and the professor was like, uh, <laughs> I think we have a problem here, son. Yeah. So this is the problem. It's like if you can come up with a working challenge to a current scientific theory, fucking yeah, man, that's science. Like if you can replicate it and, and, and do it, great. But like just strolling into class and saying, I don't believe Newton. And having nothing else to say beyond that is horseshit. That, like, you can't... That's not, that's not how any of this works. So, um, yeah, the author kind of set himself up for failure, for I, I guess, in our opinion, anyway. And then the physics professor was like, well, you know, son, Albert Einstein once said that you should kiss a girl while you're driving a car. So why don't you... Why don't you try that out for science? Yeah, go for it. Um, that physics professor was John Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking about the photon belt thing, that didn't happen, as we mentioned before. Oh, it didn't, yeah. It well, they're really also like, as, okay, as far as I can tell, hang on. Let's, um, let's talk a little bit about what the... So another classic element of, you know, all these kind of woo-woo beliefs and conspiracies is always these like uh, either vague promises... Predictions that don't come true or both. We, we get both here. The, the prediction that didn't come true was um, a Earth passing through a photon belt in 1995 or 1996. And <clears throat> I am not an astrophysicist. I am not an astronomer. I am not a physicist. I do not really know much about space science. However, I can read things. Um, and <laughs> in reading things, um, I, I mean, I immediately was thrown off by photon belt because photons are just, they're just a boson particle that's like a measure of electromagnetic energy. So I didn't really understand how there could be a belt of them. But why would that, there like, be a really concentration of it that was moving yeah. through space? Yeah, it didn't really make sense to me. Uh, so I was like, all right, maybe I'm, you know, because like, like I said, I'm not confident in my understanding. So I was like, all right, let me read about this. And yeah, um, that's not, photon belts like aren't a thing. Um, what about I the cool what, belt I won at the fair that says photon master on it? Like, that's I my think, photon belt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess you can you can make a photon belt on your own. Uh, so photon belts aren't a thing, and um, from what I read, I think what this is is a misunderstanding 
of a uh of the visually of what like pictures of the Pleiades star cluster looks like. So they're talking about like, oh, anomalies near the star cluster and like that's where the photon belt is and it's coming, it's coming, oh lord, it's coming. And the Pleiades are, they have like a nebula, like a gas cloud and it's not photons, it's just dust and like hydrogen and shit. It's just like debris. And obviously like when we're taking pictures in space, things can look a little funny, right? Compared to how we see them on Earth. And I'm assuming that what happened is they like, saw pictures of this like someone did and was like oh it's clearly bands of light and then they were like i don't know photon sounds like a cool word for light and it's neither of it's not it's none of that it's none of that it's just some shit floating around the pleiades (laughs) so is this like a galactic scale version of when people talk about orbs in their photos which is just like a dust speck on the lens (laughs) yeah actually that's a really that's not quite but very similar yeah yeah that's a that's a pretty good analogy um and i you know i looked into this and it seemed like it seemed like this whole photon belt thing was first published in some random like magazine from australia in 1981 and then it was repeated in a 1991 article in a different magazine and that's where it kind of gained real steam in sort of this movement so like photon belts aren't it's not a thing it was just it just was made up one time it got republished 10 years later and then it took off you know kind of like fucking internet shit does now and um i found you know i i will say i'm not sure of the veracity of the article that i found because there's no real author on it it was just like a collective of people who debunked things in in the 70s through the night through the early 2000s um but in any case one of these people part of this collectives uh actually tracked down the head of the Australian UFO Society that published that original article in 1981 and talked to them and said that it was co-authored by a quote-unquote middle-aged mother and a college undergraduate. Oh, the Um, finest of scientific minds. Yeah, so clearly, like, and not that a middle-aged mother couldn't also be an astrophysicist, but the suggestion here is that these are two people who did not have the expertise to be talking about planetary bodies and astrophysics right so um photon belt not a thing it's not a thing what they're looking at is shit around the pleiades stars um cluster and furthermore they're like they're talking about how the earth is going to head towards the pleiades but actually As far as we understand the universe and space physics, the Earth is actually moving away from them. (laughs) Oh, no. My photon belt. My 10 extra helixes. No. Yeah. So they got the thing wrong and the direction wrong. Um, Not to mention, like, their... So their whole thing... I should should probably just pop to the point in the book where they kind of describe, like, oh, in 1995 or 1996, you guys are going to go to the photon belt and, like... Okay, here we go. You know what? I'm just going to read like the whole start of this chapter because that's, that's going to give you the real mwah, the real flavor of what we've got going on here. All right. <clears throat> chapter 2, The Photon Belt. Washa and two other Syrian council members would now like to discuss an incredible physical as well as spiritual event that's presently approaching Earth. 
Washta is a galactic presence who is in training as a new Syrian Ascended Master. God damn it, they got the trainee on the job? Oh, that's <laughs> they didn't even, even worse. send out their best down over here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the hierarchy, man, you're just, yeah, you're just you, working for Target in space. Right. <laughs> he didn't report to the correct people, so there's enough. Listen, you talk to the random seven-year-olds. When he completes this book project, Washta will be promoted to a full-fledged Ascended Master. He is joined in this presentation by Omtron and Teletron, Syrian experts on science and history. But throughout the book, Washta will be the only council speaker. And then it switches to kind of their their voice. We are here to share the fact that your solar system is presently poised to enter a vast region of light called the Photon Belt sometime during a period between March of 1995 and December of 1996. This photon belt, a huge mass of light, will be the vehicle for your restoration to full consciousness and for the complete transformation of your DNA and chakra systems. These unbelievable changes will forever alter not only yourselves, but also your planet and your solar system. This is because the photon belt will move your solar system into a higher dimension from third to the fifth, allowing your planet within the solar system to move to a new position in space closer to the Sirius star system. At this point, you may be asking, what is this photon belt? Why haven't I heard about it before? If it's this important, why aren't our scientists discussing it? The photon belt, a huge torrid-shaped object composed of photon light particles, was first discovered by your scientists in 1961 near the vicinity of the Pleiades by satellite instrumentation. Throughout this book, we usually speak of your Earth entering the photon belt and sometimes of the photon belt moving toward Earth. The reality is that your solar system and the photon belt are moving toward each other. I mean, here's the thing. If there was a giant somehow contained cluster of light um, and it did, you know, Earth did pass through it. I mean, it would change us forever by, I mean, like giving us a pretty hardcore sunburn. Like you'd be pretty crispy. I think that's right. Like why does (laughs) like, did he confuse something about getting skin cancer as like evolving your genes or something like because how, assumedly, photons are light, which includes, like, UV light or, like, just, like, regular sunlight. Some part of that is similar. So what he's trying to say is this mega dose of light particles is somehow going to help us regain our helixes and there's some, like, thymus gland reorganization happening. Like, literal, like, evolution steps happening in the space of, like, a couple months helped along by these aliens that are watching over us. By the way, in the whole book, they're talking about how all oh, the, the, the aliens are just have been watching over earth. And that's why we're, we're here to help you. And that's a whole other uh-huh. can of worms that I'm sure we can crack into here. But that's also the other disconnect is why would light cause evolution? Wouldn't then just standing outside in the sun or like hyperdosing people with UV light do the same thing. Great, great question, Chris. I don't know. Maybe because it's not, I don't know, a special concentration around a star cluster. Fuck if I know. Doesn't you had make too any much sense. salt in your light. Doesn't... Now you're just too salty yeah. and burn. That's, that's yeah. really what it was. It doesn't make any sense. So, I don't know. So, all of that, just absolute bullshit. And they're, they're saying that, like, oh, when you pass through the belt, there's going to be three full days of darkness and then 24-hour daylight until 2013 and no electricity or water movement in that time. That seems bad. How would passing through a 
fucking burning belt of light caused three days of full darkness. That part I'm really <laughs> struggling. <laughs> uh, it's because it's uh, space light and space is dark, right? So it's the space light is dark, actually. And the photons would cancel out the sun. Uh, I guess I, light. Yeah, I, I guess maybe if. Well, it wouldn't create a shit. I don't know. I can't. Don't try, can't. Paris. Don't try. It's hurting. It's hurts. It hurts. <laughs> but um, you know, considering Chris and I lived through the years 1995, 1996, most of you did as well. It's 2013. <laughs> we were all there. None of that happened. Albert Einstein Clearly. was there. John Mayer was there. Yeah. We were all. Nah, Einstein died before then, but um, yeah, I, I, it just so clearly, obviously didn't happen, and especially because like this book was published in '94, so it was a pretty short period of time. I, I don't know, like what was their plan when the jig was up? You know, like <laughs> oh, I don't know. They just kept moving the numbers back. I mean, that's what they all do. That's what all these right. groups do. It's the classic saying, "Oh, whoopsies! <laughs> oh no, something happened. The aliens had a whoopsie. They had to deal with some other invasion, so they had to move the the ascendance of humankind back another year again." You're Listen, still all that middle management stuff got <laughs> fucked up right in the middle. Our our projections have been delayed here. Dave up in the second layer of galactic management just really didn't get those reports out in time. So listen, you guys are going to have to wait another, you know, at least a couple of years until we can get those helixes back on. All right. All right. Just so we'll, we'll see you later. We'll keep the money, though. You know, it doesn't matter even. All right. There's a couple other things in here that absolutely did not make any fucking sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. So there's two things. Firstly. There was a section where we mentioned the summary where uh, they used fusion reactors to blow shit up, and that was oh, yeah, around yeah, dinosaur yeah. times. Apparently, there was the mass catastrophic event that got rid of the dinos, or perhaps the reptoid aliens, which are different. Again, once again, those are different yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, they're different. We don't really know why, but they're This they're was different. like some kind of suicide mission by the Lemurians, who are the good aliens, to get rid of all the reptoids by blowing up fusion reactors they had, and that's what really got rid of the dinosaurs. But I feel like if you're going to do that, and you're going to have all this stuff, the, the comet impacting Earth theory works just fine... And I think they actually do say that later that like like they used the energy of the the fusion things to. No, no, no. So, I I'm not sure which of us is confused, but page ninety one and ninety two, uh, there's text and a diagram. I understood that, it to be like they just blew up a bunch of fusion reactors they had, which is really what eliminated the reptoids slash dinosaurs. No, 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 no. Um. Page 91 and 92. So the Atlanteans came up with a, a plan to destroy Lemuria and to take control. And so they waited patiently and they um, executed their plan. At that particular time, 25,000 years ago, the Earth had two moons, each one of which was roughly three quarters the size of your present moon. What the renegades proposed to do was to move one of these two moons into a downward spiraling orbit using force fields. Before this moon reached a critical mass position, the Lagrange point, with the Earth, it would be exploded so that it would fall down as an incredible shower of meteors upon the Lemurian continent. 
This event would cause gravitational and plate tectonic distress because of the size, downward path, and mass of the lunar fragments. This development did, in fact, create a volcanic catastrophe that caused the great gas chambers underneath Lemuria to implode, sink the continent, and destroy Lemurian dominance. I think that was a separate thing later on yeah. from the dinosaur fusion reactor blow up. Uh, I do remember fusion reactors, so it's so let's see. Listen, can... the timeline that we are presented with here is very murky and inconsistent. I feel like they jumped around a lot, so I don't feel bad about not quite getting it straight. So the cetaceans imploded their fusion generators oh, to I'm kill sorry. the dinoid and reptoids. Um, in 98% of them, they were killed when they're things. I, okay, so I confused the Lemurians and the this Cetaceans. Was, yeah, this was, um, eight to ten million years ago. So two different incidents. Sorry. I see. Excuse me. Not that, not that it really, um, resolves your question. No, that, but the, yeah, point still stands of like, why, if you're going to just use the same fusion energy to say that's what the comet impact was, because if there's just, there's really just that one impact site, as far as I remember from when I, you know, like had to do a little project on this in like a freshman archaeology course or something like that. Oh, uh, you're talking about um, the, the, the comet that was, yeah, yeah that was like, a propo- I actually don't know because I. I didn't study Paleolithic stuff. I did a project um, on the KT event, which is basically that huge crater that they were like that. They're pretty sure that's the one that did it. It, it hit over there. So you, I feel like multiple fusion reactors going off would leave some evidence, much like yeah. the KT event. So if you're going to try to sell me this shit, just say it was like they used the comet. Right, like just yeah, yeah. I agree with you. It would have been much cleaner to just do that. Why add this um, layer on top of that? Know. The other thing was the firmaments thing that popped up at some oh, point yeah. in here yeah, as well. Bad. I'm that not going to try time. to put this in the right time frame, but at some point in this alternate Earth history, there were firmaments, which are giant ice spheres that enveloped the Earth, which prevented rain and made it so it was always sunny, no clouds, and light winds were happening. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> so, like... They also say earlier that they, they rely on the Bible for some, like the floods and whatnot. So if you think that's yeah. a good source for historical fact, why would that not ever be mentioned in the Bible? And they always, they mention rain and clouds and high wind happening in the Bible. Never mind the fact that rain is a necessary part of plant life and animal life. And you're just going to hand wave that away with like, oh, well, they got all that from the prana energy in your kundalini sex force which once again <laughs> oh yeah up here kundalini <laughs> sex force it's, it's back. back again we're back we're back better than ever yeah um, so just like this this stuff in here that's like needlessly complicating your woo woo stuff just so we can like make sure we get every possible item involved like smart dolphins and reptoid aliens and the greys of like yeah. space science and god I and think- jesus I mean, I think with the firmaments thing, I'm unclear if that was supposed to be like before the events in the Bible or during. But in any case, they all they they talk more than once about how, oh, yeah, in this perfect world, there was no rain and it was always sunny. And I was like, why would that? Why? Why? Yeah. Like you said, like, why? But but things need that to exist. And they're like, oh, but energy. But energy is such a vague. You can't just say but energy. Energy can mean 
what kind of energy the, the energy plants force. get from light through <laughs> photosynthesis. And the water Perhaps? that they would need. And some plants need more water than others. So if it was just the same environment all over the place, that would cause problems yeah. for the ecosystems and diversity really, of life. Yeah, there's just like such an abuse of the word energy, like and all this woo-woo shit. Doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Um yeah, they also have this obsession with cetaceans, which, you know, are whales and dolphins, which are generally smarter non-human creatures that have, you know, culture and language and advanced ways of thinking and, and being. Um and like they have this thing where they're like, yeah, dolphins and whales have like evolved past the base desires and, and humans need to too. They're just so pure, those whales and dolphins. And I just, I don't know if anyone told them about how like horny dolphins are and about how they don't really give a shit about consent or species. Dolphins uh, are the sometimes. horniest motherfuckers out there, in fact. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> They are bad. not they beyond are... those base desires one bit. No, they're actually quite um, sexually aggressive. So I, yeah, and that's this is just people romanticizing a creature that they don't know anything about. You know, it's like they all they did was see those Lisa Frank folders in 1994, and it was all over. <laughs> they know. heard that they were kind of smart, and they're like, "Oh, clearly they must be evolved beyond their base desires." When no, not at all. Actually, not at all. maybe if the dolphins stopped fucking all the time, they would have redeveloped their fusion reactors. <laughs> Maybe. If Dolphin Albert Einstein was out there to tell the other dolphins to not kiss other dolphins in dolphin cars. <laughs> yes, if only. I mean, there's just so many things that are inconsistent in this. Um, the, you know, we already talked mentioned Lemuria and Atlantis, and yeah, it's that again. I mean, a lot of this is all just sort of elements of the Bible, Egyptian myth and history, Greek myth and history, Sumerian myth. It's a lot of things just slammed together um, in, with no commonality. There's no explanation for like, but why would these things be related? I, there's, it's just like, oh yeah, they all are related and they're all the same thing and they're all from the cool alien guys that are helping us because we're just like the coolest planet. Like, oh my God, the aliens... You know, they said we're we were just we're the special planet that's so gonna special. get the photon belt. That's why they're all helping us out over here. You know, he told me I was he told me that he was gonna give me a contract, Washta. I mean, sounds <laughs> Listen, like he's kinda up baby, there. In the you're echelon. the most beautiful planet out in here in existence. <laughs> I'm gonna get you a nice twelve helixes for you. I'm oh my gonna God. get you. <laughs> That's ten more helixes than I have now. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get buy you all the good stuff, man. I'm gonna get you the photon belts. I'm gonna take you. You're gonna, I'm gonna get you a job in the highest echelons of the galactic management. Don't worry, man. Oh my God, Washington's gonna get me a photon. Can you? Um, can you believe it? I'm gonna be the first planet in this solar system. With a photon belt. Take that, Saturn. Get out of here. <laughs> Who cares about your rings? Washington took me to meet Dolphin John Mayer. It was so cool. My belt's made of light. Fuck you. Anyway, all right. So um, that attitude, I mean. Honestly, oh, my God. I just thought about your bubblegum blowhole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's hot and I'm sad. 
All right. <laughs> Christ, there's so much more on this, this list of notes, but I don't, I don't want to no, no, cover every not, single. It's not, it's not that much longer. It's not that much longer. Um, I just wanted to talk quickly about how unbelievable their accounts are of things. So again, it's this just mishmash of any major civilization you've heard of that's either in that's in kind of you know areas that we kind of the, the regularly trodden stuff, right? We got Egypt, Samaria. We've got a little bit of India in here, a little bit of Greek stuff. It's all, it's all in there. And they're saying that, oh, it's all related. They're all from the aliens, whatever. So their take is that humans, like our human species, began on Vega or in the Vega system where, I don't know, were we like sea creatures or something before? I forget. I think that's what they there said, There was like right? aquatic primate stuff yes, happening. Yes, we were aquatic primates. And we came over and founded Lemuria in 900,000 BC. And then Atlantis and other like colonies arose uh, in 500,000 BC. And then Atlantis destroyed Lemuria in 25,000 BC. So like they kept saying like on Vega and in Vega. And I was like, yo, Vega's a star. And it's just <laughs> like our sun. It's actually much larger than our sun. So I don't really know how like carbon-based life could exist on a roiling, burning, enormous star. And then later they were like, oh, in the Vega system. And I was like, oh, so they're postulating that humans come from an undiscovered planet in the small Vega star system. Um, and it, it, like, it, it turns out science hasn't completely ruled out the existence of planet, a planet or planets there. But a planet existing near Vega doesn't mean... The super advanced carbon-based life exists there and that it had the capability to visit Earth 900,000 years ago, right? Like, we, like, just maybe if there is a planet over there, that doesn't prove the rest of this. Uh, it's still pretty hard to believe. And no, but the Washington whole... told me. He promised yeah, me that Washington. everything would be okay. And the Lemuria and Atlantis, I mean, these are all theories from the late 19th century postulated to account for things that we didn't understand at the time. Lemuria in particular was an explanation for certain types of primate fossils being in India and Madagascar, but not in the Middle East or Africa. And a, you know, a few years later, once theories of plate tectonics and continental drift surfaced, that completely discredited this idea that like, you know, the whole Lemuria thing, the, sorry, I should explain the larger theory of that was, oh, there were just, there were just masses of land, land bridges everywhere. And they just kind of sunk and that's why things are in disparate places now. But, you know, after a few decades, we figured out, oh, plate tectonics make way more sense and, like, continents moving around over long periods of geological time is a more sensical explanation for that, right? Because otherwise we'd be finding continents under the water all the time. Um, so instead of there must have been land here that sunk, we now understand that lands in X and Y spot used to be connected but aren't anymore due to geological forces on a grand scale of time. And to be clear, there are places that have been t overtaken by water. Like there are lands that have sunk, but none There's of gonna them. going to be more of it soon. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Turns out we were Atlantis all along, which is actually mm. one of the theories. Um, but none of these places that have sunk really match the location description or time 
for Lemuria or Atlantis. The closest we've come with Lemuria is Mauritia, or Mauritia, uh, which was a sub a small like dwarf continent that did sink in kind of that area, but it doesn't line up with primate evolution. Like it wouldn't have explained the the primate fossils, so it doesn't so that can't be right. Um yeah, so womp womp on that. And to further complicate this whole thing, different people attribute different locations to Lemuria and Atlantis. And so it, there's no consistency. There's no one belief that is like, yeah, we believe this. It's it's all over the fucking place, especially with Atlantis. Almost and as if it's not backed by any evidence. No, no. This book is a twist on, on these myths, too, where the two are like enemies, which, I don't know, it's their own little spin on it, I guess. Um and none of this is consistent with anything folks have discovered so far. And, like, combined with all the falsehoods and various levels of incoherence, it's just, like, it's such a challenge to take seriously. It's just a pile-on of stuff. And, and the whole, like, oh, well, there were big destructive events and it destroyed all the evidence, so... Um, so don't ask. That's why. That's why we can't find it. It's just, like, laughable. Watch does not I mean, lie to me. Don't ask. Like, it's just so much on top of a mountain already made of shit that, like, it, I I don't know how you could continue to go along with each of these points. It seems, seems kind of impossible. All right, Paris, is there anything left here? Honestly. No, let's talk about, let's talk about the Time Lords. Sure. We I want to talk about before. the Time Lords. <laughs> so, yeah, the Doctor Who Time Lords. No, just that there's the concept of... Time Lords are some aspect of the management structure, and I really just singled them out in my notes here because of the claim that literally every atom in existence has a specific Time Lord dedicated to it to keep it manifesting. So why is that a Time Lord? Why isn't it just like a atom lord or a material lord right like why does time have to come why does every here? atom need a lord that is so <laughs> really overly split the fiefdom into like the absolute maximum God. split that we could do <laughs> on top of that like later on time lords also dictate governing structures in this management system yeah so like wh- why are they saddled with both gigs here I they applied for their galactic internships <laughs> last, Chris. I don't know what to yeah, tell you. Yes, like, like didn't get just there stuff time. like that makes me feel like you you're just not really thinking about this at all. And you know, I suppose yes, it's relates to you through Washington, but just like I don't think in the Q and A sections that happen at the end of chapters between Virginia and Washington, she's not even like, wait, why would that time would be responsible for two things at once? Like, it's, manifesting every atom into existence seems like a pretty big deal that they should be specializing in. I feel yeah. like being in charge of your atom and, you know, like the dick hair of some dude <laughs> in Washington in 1937. Why does that Time Lord also have to be responsible for managing the governance of the Galactic Federation at the same time? You know, Chris, funding is down and they are doing the best they can. They have <laughs> yeah. combined departments. It's... It's yes. a mess. It's a mess over there. Yeah. So yeah, I stuff like that. This is part of that yeah. pylon thing, right? Where yep. they're just trying to cram every single culture and woo-woo thing in here, mm-hmm. perhaps as a way to try to get more people on board. I think that was the same thing with Afterlife Love. It's like, yeah, just let everyone start contributing money. Yeah, you're cool. You're cool. You're cool. Let's all get in here. 
and help wash to pay for his uh, car payment or what his UFO car payment. Yeah. He, just, he just promised me if I loaned him the 2000 bucks that he'd get me that photon belt next month. Well, I mean, how else is he going to get the, you know, the, the white paneled UFO with no windows? Um, right. <laughs> and so, I mean, speaking of like inconsistencies and the piling on, all of a sudden in like the last 20% of the book, they're like, and then the underground people who are the leftovers of Lemuria. And you're like, I'm sorry, excuse me? What? <laughs> what? There are people who live underground? And they're like, yeah, all the people who live underground who are the, the survivors of the Lemurian destruction. And they're under the specific mountain or something. I forget where, where it is. Um, just all of a sudden. I mean, and then also, sort of in the same breath, the book has said, oh, yeah. And all the major monuments around the world, like pyramids and stuff and the Bermuda Triangle, they're all points on a crystal grid. I mean, this is beyond kitchen sink. This is beyond everything in the kitchen sink. This is like all the restaurants in the entire world's kitchens and their sinks just <laughs> just constantly coming at you. Just You're piling. becoming a galactic kitchen sink <laughs> woo-woo purveyor. You are Maybe becoming really, a galactic restaurant depot. <laughs> that's really what this title means, is you're just trying to encompass all possible woo-woo into your body. And once you can do that, you have truly become a galactic human. Maybe you're right. If, I, if I you mean, can that... just let that cognitive dissonance go by, you will have unlocked your 12th <laughs> DNA strand. Uh, some of my favorite like little things were um, there's... Uh, a uh, point really late in the book where they're like oh by the way like the divas the devas or whatever that which is a kind of i don't know a angelic deity that isn't an angel or it's, it's its own thing um they keep they keep all they keep all the data safe and i was like oh my god i'm a david guard that's what i am that's what i do <laughs> i've ascended keep the data safe um, yeah they have the galactic raid arrays like i said you know they, yeah. got, the, they got raid 10 they're, they're striping and they're mimicking at the same time and another another of my favorite points was all of a sudden towards the very end they're like oh by the way offspring can only be conceived february through august while the whales and dolphins are singing and i was like that's like so obviously not true i People are fucking and having babies, <laughs> you know, like September through January. I don't know. What do you mean? Everyone also, that's outside of that birthday is just not an, a galactic human. I'm sorry. I, I guess. I guess. And, you know, they're just like really appropriately vague at the end. They're trying to say like, oh, and here's, um, you know, this whole book is supposed to be like to help you prepare for, you know, the coming of the photon belt christ whatever all that shit and yet it doesn't actually tell you any of that it just gives you all this like fake history and at the very end they say oh yeah you can prepare by um finding other people who are into this meditating eating a proper light diet and adequate and getting adequate hydration and there's zero instruction on meditation the amounts of hydration or like what they even mean by a proper light diet so you aren't preparing people with this text. Do you think do you think they meant light as in light in material or do you think they meant light as in the people that are like I will just consume sunlight? No, no, my... they definitely they definitely meant they cuz they're, they're like healthy or whatever, but that I mean health that doesn't mean anything. There's no one definition for that. Um yeah, uh, it it's all over the place. I mean even even the furries enter on page 170 they they <laughs> arrive get, 
they got they, they got in. in there because they they say that there's a race of people who are a race of elevated beings who are lion people and then there's like turtle people and mm-hmm. this is another i just there's no said, everyone's included everyone come on everyone's in here. every get, here. Get, give me your money please uh, every one of you is allowed to give me money <laughs> Uh, and then they throw a Jung quote in at the end. You know, they got Einstein at the beginning and Jung at the end. You got to just, just get him in there while you can. Um, and Jung said, your psyche is a wonderland where I <laughs> use my hands. <laughs> oh, and you know, we got that uh, LMJ right at the end. Just a little dose. It, there's like a direct quote from Jesus at the end, right? It's like, <laughs> well, that's because Virginia's earlier book was her uh, channeling Christ. Of course, mm-hmm. of course. Or I forget if I think it was her that was channel, or she maybe she transcribed someone else channeling Christ, something like that. So yeah, can't escape Jesus. It's always Jesus. <sighs> the first minute Jesus and the last minute Jesus, real Jesus sandwich yeah. over here. Anyway, Paris, I'm j- like I, l- we've done this woo woo dance so many times here yeah, it's a lot that of like yeah, so a lot of wooing. I'm I'm so tired of this shit, especially the kitchen sink version where, like, again, the inc- trying to include everything real ju- really just feels like trying to encompass everyone that you can in the grift. Right. Just trying to get everyone in here. So, I, oh, yeah, you're welcome in here, too. And I guess cool for being inclusive. But when it, it's just bu- bullshit levels like this and you're not even trying to reconcile anything, I am so tired tired of this i am so tired of this and i guess the way you fix it is just by improving everyone's critical thinking even just the base level of like can i find a second source that says anything about this that corroborates this well yeah and i I mean not only like (sighs) yeah i i don't know Aren't you tired, Paris? Yeah, I am tired. This is the end of season eight, and I'm <sighs> tired. I just, I, I don't know. I, I, this feels this is, this is unfixable, right? Yeah. We can't fix this. I, like, I there, think, there's. Ugh, sorry, go ahead. At this point, I'm just saying, like, we, like, I, I made the joke at the start, but we have become terrible humans <laughs> at this point, Paris, by, like, having to slog through so much of this woo-woo stuff, like. I almost, I'm not going to make it a policy. Who knows? Maybe someone will find something interesting. But just like, we are probably going to not do as much of this stuff in the future unless it's like a really wacky angle that we haven't seen before. But yeah, like, we've, it, we've it, got a lot of it. It's not, I mean, we've I, done we've, we've hit angels, it all. Al- multiple aliens this, this season. We've done um, interdimensional travel and chakras yeah, and all uh, that stuff. Yeah, it would have. We we even did that. Um, I forget if that was last year. The uh, the the health guy. Um, the, Genesis the diet. Genesis diet. Um, yeah, I I really I think I'm done with this sort of stuff unless there's a real compelling argument to to dive into a different pool, um, of muck. <laughs> yeah, this one just really covered all the bases for us. I feel like so that we shouldn't yeah. have to redo much at all. But I. You know, who who can say truly where the depths will lead us with Terriblo's gaze? Well, thanks, Ken, I guess. Yeah, I mean, th- I guess, you know, thank you to Ken for allowing us to get it all out here so that we can possibly say, like, oh, we've already done that in the future. Yeah, I guess that's true. I will thank Ken for kind of getting this through our system. 
I'll, I'll treat it like he gave us the flu and now we're over it. And we're... <laughs> this is a vaccination. Yeah. That we've given. Okay. Well, I truly feel like a galactic, terrible human here, but hopefully our patrons here also feel the same way. I don't know. I don't know if that's a nice thing to say or not. No, but no, anyway. no. I hope, I hope they feel like just regular people. I yeah. don't want them to feel galactic because I don't want them to feel like some alien's going to save them. They're you not, are becoming they're not normal, uh, regular Earth human. You're in the local cluster. Everything's cool. Anyway, thank you to Greg, Veronica, Will, D, Jared, Arant, Senia, Jakub, Lycoris, Elliot, Kirid, Martin, Jay, Luchek, Miri, Yanka, David, Julius, Anya, Patricia, Austin, Donnie, Beast with the Least, Scott H. Robin, Laxtodes, Of the Void, The Taco Eating Unicorn, Last Man on Earth 01, Funny Robot with Antennas, Hobbyboy93, Harry, Mason, Renee, Emmy, The Ugly One, Bleach Black Cat, Julius the Nice Dragon, Eastern Swiss, Rudy Bo Booty, Ben Durgan Guitar, Emily, and our Kofi donor Kiwi. Thanks. Thanks for sticking out with us for another season of Terrible Book Club. We really appreciate your support. It is mid-July now you'll be hearing this close to christmas time so uh enjoy your holidays everyone whatever you're doing hopefully you're taking a break you know it's traditional for people to be taking a break around now and so are we we're taking a super long break from reading terrible books i've been reading a bunch of good books recently to sort of prepare myself for this long lengthy thing here and just you know actually get into the good space so hopefully you guys are doing the same thing yeah, um, I guess because, yeah, it is mid-July. We are we really crammed all the recording in early in the year because Chris and I have had a lot of music stuff going on, a lot of personal stuff, you know, health, relationships, a lot of big changes. So um, we figured it would be great to just get all this done in a condensed fashion and give ourselves four months off. So that's what we have done. Um, it's a little funny because we're recording these so early that by the time we're back we're gonna have to do like a life update episode just for mm-hmm. patrons or something that's like so this is all the shit that happened last we've year we've become galactic humans actually the photon belt thing happened shit. oh yeah yeah that is that's that's what happened yeah i mean i guess the condensed version is that like chris and i are both playing summer festivals i'm getting married Chris moved in with his partner. Uh, I'm doing a career change, possibly. Career, career We're both change. recording albums. Yeah, recording records. Like it's just like it's just it's just too much shit, man. Also, you know, it's just too hot all the time. Yeah. <laughs> So we're really glad we're getting this done now, so we don't have to record for another couple of months of humidity um, in in here in New England, but. Anyway, yeah, I guess maybe we'll do uh, we'll do a nice update for folks when we come back in January. But until then, please keep your keep yourselves uh, safe and healthy and well and happy. And I hope that you know whatever your winter holiday celebrations are, I hope they're merry and lovely. Um, or if you don't do winter celebrations, uh, I just hope you have a nice winter time. I hope you have a nice several months. Um, hopefully, these episodes have been fun for you. And we'll be back next year with um, with another season. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We're, we're gonna slot. hopefully we've regained our helix strands that can help us endure more terrible books in the next year. Yeah, but um, you know, please, please still reach out to us. Even though, I mean, unfortunately, by the time you listen to this, I'm sure we will have scheduled out the entire ninth season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know, it. it doesn't hurt to reach out to us for 10th season and sometimes we make last minute changes if we get really good requests yep. so 
please reach out to us. Um, we also just love to hear from people anyway. Like even if you don't have a recommendation, if you just want to shoot us a message or, or maybe review us somewhere where other humans will see it. Uh, that's also cool. But anyway, um, peace, love and good reading to you all. And, um, May you all have a, a lovely end of the year. We'll see yeah. you. See you soon. See you next year. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Terrible Book Club. Terrible Book Club is an independent podcast produced by your hosts, Paris and Chris. Sound design and audio editing by Chris with sound effects and music by Epidemic Sound and sometimes also Chris. Our theme song is Kiss by Yearn, which is, you guessed it, actually also Chris. You can find more of his soothing synthy sounds on Bandcamp at yearn.bandcamp.com. Do you want us to review a book of your choice on the show? Do you want access to some extra audiovisual weirdness? If so, become a patron at patreon.com slash terriblebookclub. If you'd like to send us a one-time tip instead, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash terriblebookclub. You can also support TBC for free by sharing the show on social media, following our accounts on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Goodreads, telling your friends about your favorite episode, or by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere else on the internet. To send us book recommendations or your adorable pet photos, send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. <laughs>